Well, we have launched uh, a series called Firsts. Uh, recently, Pastor Sam launched it last Sunday. Pastor Steve preached brilliantly this, this morning on the topic. But we are looking at this series called First. And uh, the, the reality is that God in many areas, or you could say in every area, uh, God asks us that he would, be our, his, he would be our first priority. In the way we live, in the way we worship, in the way we serve, that actually God would be first. God likes to come first, and God doesn't do well in second place. Uh, he's, not, he, he's not a good second place kind of guy uh, to have in your life, uh, but God is an incredible first place. Uh, God is an incredible first place. And that's kind of the desire of God. And now when I, when I kind of say that, uh, really how you respond to that is a lot of it comes down to what you believe the heart and the motive of God is. God isn't on an ego trip, so he needs to be first in your life. The, the reality is whether God is first in your life, God is first, all right? When it comes to his place in humanity, when it comes to his place in this universe, when it comes to his authority and his lordship and his kingdom, He is king whether we believe it or not. He is king whether we acknowledge it or not. He is king. He is first. God is first. The question we're not asking is, is God first in terms of the big picture? No, God is first. That's the reality. The question we're really asking, is God first in your life? Because if you want to experience the, the blessing that comes with having God first, is actually whether he, you'll position him first in, in your world. And really understanding the motive of God is a big part to play when you consider the kingship, the lordship, or the first place of God. What is, what is God's heart and God's motive? And I, I grew up in church, um, being dragged along to church since I was a kid. And so I understood a lot about the teaching of God or the stories of God more and the principles of God. But the word changed for me, the scripture changed for me, how I engaged with with the commands of God and the scriptures changed a lot for me when I started to not just listen to what God was saying, but why God is saying it. That actually, what is the motive behind God? And what God says. And one thing we've got to understand is actually God desires freedom for your life. That's actually what God desires. God desires that He would be first in your world because He desires that you would understand the freedom that comes with that. That God's heart for you is that you would live full and you would live free. That's his desire. And so part of that, he says, hey, if you want to live the fullest life you can in the freest life you can, here's some things that you've got to put in the right order, starting with me. I've got to go first. But his motive is that you would live free. Who knows motive matters? Motive, like anyone got that family member who's like always asking for favors? And then... Um, you know when that family member texts or messages you like, hey, what are you up to? It's like your response isn't not much. What are you up to? Your response is generally, why? You know, because the motive matters. Whereas another friend can text you who always just wants to hang out or, or that, that friend that always likes to shout the meals or, or they, they can text you, hey, what are you up to? And it's like, not much. You want to hang? Well, your response is different. Same question. Different response when you know the motive behind the question. In fact, one thing with becoming a pastor, I came to realize quite early on, is actually I struggle now when I ask guys, hey, do you want to catch up? 
Because most of the people's responses is, but why? But what have I done wrong? Why? Because I just want to hang out. I was the same guy before as I am now. But because why? Because people are judging motives. The question is, in a lot of places, I've even found in my life where I've got God's motive wrong. And so I have, it's not so much that I have a problem with his commands, it's that I've misjudged his motive in my life, in my world. And it's so important that we actually understand the fact that, that God's motive for your life is that, that you would live free and you would live full. I came, he came so we might experience the fullness of life, the fullness of life. And, and, and so part of understanding the motive of God is actually in the understanding the character of God. I trust His character so I know His motive. And the real question for us to ask ourselves is what do you believe about the character of God? Because a lot of people have the character of God wrong. They think God's an angry God or God's a strict God or God's a, or, or, or God's a controlling God, but that's not our God at all. The character of God is that, like Kit already said, that He is good. The character of God is He is loving. He is just and He is righteous. He is trustworthy and He is faithful. That's the character of, of our God because when you trust the character, you know, growing up I had an older brother, and again, same question, different responses. You ever got a sibling or a friend, and when they offer you free food, your response isn't thanks. It's normally like, why, what's wrong with it? You know, you, ever, you, ever, you got that friend in your, like certain friends will offer you food, and you're like, oh, man, thanks. And then certain friends, generally your closest friends, I, I kind of realize I trust my closest friends the least when it comes to free food. And, and people will offer you food, and it's like, well, what's, what's wrong with it? It's why, because what am I doing? I'm not questioning the food. I'm questioning your character. All right, I feel like you've done something to this. And it's important that we come to a realization or a healthy understanding of the nature and the character of our God. That I don't just know God even through other people, but I come to a point in my own heart. No, I trust God is good. I trust God is for me. I trust that He has great plans for my life. Because when I have a trust in His character, it becomes so much easier to outwork His commands for my life. Because I see His commands through His character. I see His commands through His character. You know, and it's in the understanding more of who God is, I understand more why it is God's asked us to do things we do. It's like the Ten Commandments growing up as a kid. These are taught uh, in, in many creative ways in our kids' ministry to try and get us to learn the Ten Commandments. But as a kid, they always sounded like restrictions. Not that I, I wanted to kill anybody, but they just sounded or, or steal from people or, or that wasn't my motive. But it just got communicated like, here's a list of rules from God. Moses went up to the mountain and came down with a bunch of rules. And as a kid, you grow up actually thinking about, many people think about God that way. That here's a God or here's the scripture and just here's a bunch of rules for you to follow. And you better be good at it because there's a nasty place you're going to go to, all right? Time out gets a whole lot worse in eternity. A lot of people live with that, with that mentality, and I, it's probably not until I go, but later on in life, even though I didn't realize it, that that's actually how I thought a lot about when it came to the things of God, and, the, and especially Scripture. The Bible was boring until I understood God. I understood God more. And it's this reality that the Ten Commandments weren't there just to be like, hey, you're all being terrible people. 
here's a list of try to be good, do your best shot, and in a few thousand years, Jesus is going to come and help you out because you're going to screw it up. That, that's not what God was getting at. In fact, for the Jewish people, because they had just come out of slavery, it was actually, if you look at it right, and, and I don't need to unpack it, but it's the God's grace towards people. For years they had grown and been in a society or been under oppression where people could take whatever they wanted from them. And then Moses comes down and says, hey, you know what? In our new community, under our new culture in this kingdom thing, you know what? Nobody's allowed to come and just take from you anymore. You know how the Egyptians have been just killing you? you know, no one's allowed to do that anymore. It's actually an incredible, like, oh my gosh, there's incredible grace on this thing. But later on, it just, gets, it just gets spoken about like rules. But it's actually God trying to help people live the greatest life possible. That's the heart of God. Scripture is there to help you live your best life. Your best life. And the more I understand God, the more I come to understand this. Because, I mean, in, in my father's house, he's had it since we were a kid. He has this huge painting. Like, it's massive in the lounge. I don't know where he got it from. I don't even know who made it or where it was. But it's just this painting of nothing. It's like just randomness. It's one of those abstract kind of pieces of artwork. And we would, as kids growing up, we would, we would sit there and we'd look at it and we'd get in arguments um, around what, what, what this painting was. And as we grew up, the, the, actually what we thought it was would change. Why? Because perspective and our understanding of life changes. And it's interesting, we, our whole life I've looked at the same picture but seen many different things in it. And, and the reality is we can argue all we want about what the painting is, but until I understand who painted it and the heart behind the person who painted it, I'll never actually understand what it is. And we can often look at life and look at things and even look at Scripture, but until you understand who created it and why He created it, you won't get clarity on what He created. You can look at your life and go, why is my life like this? But until you understand who created you and why He created you, you're not going to get clarity on what He created. Because it's understanding the character of God gives clarity to what He created. What he created, in fact, there's, a, there's an, an old guy, an old writer that said, the, what, what you think when you think about God is the most important thing you'll ever think about. What you think when you think about God is the most important thing you'll ever think. And it, it, it's incredible the, the truth in that statement, because how you view God will determine how you respond to God. Like, you ever had a first interaction with someone? Like, maybe you started school or uni, and, like, you have a first interaction with, a, like, a lecturer or a teacher, and they're quite angry. And then, like, you go on, like, forever for the rest of that semester thinking they're just an angry person. But it's really just because you're annoying and you are late and, and, and they're having a bad day. And so you get an angry response, but all of a sudden now you think they're an angry person. And then it's not until you have an encounter a little bit later on with that person, you're like, oh, actually, they're quite nice. And your whole response towards that class or your whole response towards that person shifts. Why? Because your understanding of them changes, your response towards them change. 
I need you to understand that God is good, like Kit said. God is faithful. God desires the best for you. God has a plan for you. God has a purpose for you. He wants you to live in freedom. He wants you to have healthy relationships. He wants you to have financial freedom. He wants you to live a life that is a blessing to others. He wants you to understand how to do life. And so that's why there's some things that we're talking about, about giving the first of your day and giving the first day of your week and giving the first of your increase and giving your first priority to the things of God. We're saying, hey, you need to do this, not because it's just like, you should be doing this, and if you don't do this, you're a terrible person. We're saying, hey, if you want to live a free, full life, God says, here's some things you need to prioritize. And I, I, I want to look at a, a, a quick passage today, found in, it's in First Kings, but what I want to look at is because I believe for many of us in this room, we believe God should be first. We want to live a life that prioritizes God first. But but there's a there's a there's a what the question I want to ask is: What do you do with when putting God first actually contradicts with some other thoughts you have? Like I want to put God first, but then they talk about the tithe. And now that contradicts some other thoughts in my life. Like, I, I want to I put God first. Like, I want God to be the first in my world. But what do you do when that contradicts some of the other behaviors you live with? Who wins when there's a contradiction? And there's this moment in First Kings I want to look at. Because cause I, I like this. It's a, it's, a, it's a story of Elijah and it's a moment when Elijah doesn't see what Elijah thought he was going to see. And it's found in First Kings. What's happened is at this point, Elijah's gone to a, a king and he's prophesied there's going to be a drought, all right? So even that prophecy alone was, was Elijah chose to put God's, uh, God's prophetic word before himself. That prophecy could have costed him his life, but he said, actually, I'm going to put the, the word of God above my life. And uh, he prophesies this drought anyway. So a drought hits the land and he goes to a place where God then starts providing for him because there's no food and, uh, or anything. And then what's happened is these birds are coming and dropping food off to him. It's a pretty good deal. And then God says, hey, the season of birds delivering food to you morning and night is over. Uh, what I'm going to cause you to do is I want you to go, uh, and there's a lady who's going to look after you. So he's like, great, I know God. God looks after me. And so he trusts that, and he goes to this place where he shows up to this lady. Many of us know the story. And, and all she has left is a little bit of oil and a little bit of flour. And, and Elijah says, hey, can you bake me some bread? She turns around to him and says, hey, I've only got enough to make one more loaf. And then me and my son are going to go and die. It's a pretty horrific situation. It, it's a pretty, pretty, you can imagine being Elijah. You're showing up thinking that it's going to be the abundance and all you find is lack. But what happens is what I, what I like, Elijah's response in, in 1 Kings 17 verse 13, it says, Elijah said to her, do not be afraid. Go home and do as you have said, but first make me a small loaf of bread for me and what you have with what you have and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son. So first make something for me and then make something for yourself. It says, for this is what the Lord, of, the Lord says. 
The jar of flour will not be used up, and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord returns the rain. So she went away and did as Elijah told her to do. And there was food every day for Elijah and the woman and her family. It's a, it's a great story. But on that journey, it would have been some pretty hard decisions to make. First of all, you kind of got Elijah who is trusting in the Word of God, and the Word of God is that there's provision, but he shows up and there's just lack. And sometimes God gives you a word, but what you turn up to contradicts that word. And so he shows up to this lady, and, 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 and for me, I, I, I'm amazed at Elijah's ability to ask her for the last that she has. Like most of us in this room, even when we're at like a friend's house, like struggle to take like the last piece of chicken. No matter how much you want it, politeness says no, right? And even if, even if they offer it to you, you still struggle. Wait, but, but here's Elijah willing to ask her for all she has left. Willing to say, hey, would you give me? Would, would, would you just trust me with all you have left? And it, it amazes me, his, his, his audacity to ask. But I believe it's because Elijah trusted in the character of God. He said, hey, he wouldn't send me here, and he wouldn't send me to her if God didn't have a greater plan for her. Although I see lack, I know I serve a God of abundance. And then actually he had the audacity to ask her for all she had left, not because he's a selfish man, but he created an opportunity for provision to be unlocked. And so while Elijah shows up to lack, I can imagine this lady would have been a God-fearing lady by the way she responds to the word from Elijah, and her own heart would have been praying that God would bring about provision. I, I, can, I can guarantee when, when she's down to her last meal and it's her life and her son's life, there would have been mornings where she would have been calling out to God to provide. And God sends a man not with provision but with need. Not with provision, but with need. So Elijah turns up not with abundance, but with lack, and she's praying for provision, but only finds need. But I love the fact that although they didn't, what showed up wasn't what they thought, it was what they needed. And often in life, we look at situations around us, and although God might be moving, we don't have the perspective to see how He's moving. And, there's a, and what I love about her is her ability to take all she had and say, well, if, before this is all over, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to obey the Word of God. And it was actually her obedience to God's command that unlocked the blessing, that unlocked blessing. What she didn't actually need was provision externally. She just needed obedience internally. She was praying that God would bring, I'm sure, I'm sure she would have been praying. It's my assumption, but I'm sure she would have been praying that God bring in the blessing. But the blessing didn't come from outside of her. The blessing came from her obedience to prioritize and put God first, even though I'm holding on to my last. In that dire place, she still prioritizes God. But I believe Elijah could ask and she could obey because they believed in the nature of God. They believed in the character of God. 
I believe Elijah wholeheartedly believed. You see, often we look at God's plan through our own perspective, but there comes times in life where you've got to look at God's plans through God's perspective, because God's plans don't always make sense through your own perspective. And I'm amazed at, at how the willingness to give and also the obedience to ask, because for most of us in this room, and I know for my life, I don't think I would have had the courage to ask. I don't think I would have had the courage to ask a widow down to her last loaf, hey, can I have some? Like, I don't think I could have done that. But his obedience and his willingness to say, well, this is what the Word of the Lord says, so this is what I'm going to do, because I trust in God more than I trust in myself. And there's ability to step out and ask and actually trust God because there's some things God will say that don't make sense. A lot of people, you know, as a church, even in the series, we're talking about tithing. We're talking about, hey, God, you need to prioritize the, the, the first of your increase, the tenth of your increase to God. And a lot of people and even other churches, other Christians struggle to have that conversation. But I love the fact here at Cooper's Church, we got, I've got no problem having that conversation. Why? Because I believe it's the best thing for you. It's not about how do we make the church more money. No, God will provide. God creates a way. We're not worried about that. We're asking the question, hey, have you figured out how to prioritize God in your finance? Why? Because it's the best thing for you. It's the best thing for you in your world. Why? Because it comes a point where we've got to stand on and say, hey, do we actually trust God? Do we trust the nature of God? Do we trust the character of God? So do we embrace the Word of God based on that? It doesn't make sense to me. A lot of Scripture doesn't make sense to me. But I trust God. And I've seen Him faithful. I know for me, like I said, I grew up in a Christian household. So part of that is I've been taught how to have faith in the first, how to have faith with our finances. I you know, in my life, I didn't so much learn it from Scripture initially. I did learn it from my mother who, you know, for those who know my story, at the age of 12, our family kind of split up for the second time. Uh, we, we, my mom and my stepdad split up. And f- for a little while there, as uh, me and my, my, my brother and my sister and mom, we were just sleeping in a friend's lounge for about a year. And we didn't really have much. Mom was really left with nothing but three kids. Uh, and there's this season but one thing I'll always remember is even in those toughest times, mum would still on a Sunday be tithing, be tithing right through it all. And right throughout our teenage years, mum was just faithful. And I remember as, as I got a little bit older and a little bit more understanding of money, there was times where we had nothing much. But in our church at the time, they used to have the tithe bucket down the front. And during the tithe time, hey, all right, we believe in generosity. Why don't you get out of your seat and come down the front and put the money? And so that was, so. but for me, this is how we did it. And so for me, I'd see mom, knowing what the midweek was like, I'd see mom every Sunday stand up, walk down the front, and give, and give. And and as I got older, mom, you know, we would question it, and we we would ask, because there's things we couldn't do and stuff, and she'd say, no, we... We as a family trust in God. We as a family would trust in God. And then to see the faithfulness of God through our family, I go, man, God is trustworthy. And so I, I learned this principle through observation of my mother. But it wasn't until then I got a bit older and I started earning income, I had to ask my 
myself the question because my mother had answered the question for our family, but I had to answer the question for myself. We, as a family, trust in God, but there came a point where I needed to ask myself, do I, as a person, trust in God? And that was actually tested the most initially through tithing, through giving. And I know there's many of us in the room that didn't grow up with a household where this principle was taught. And so just in the last 10 minutes, all I want you to do is because when we talk about tithing, it's easy to go, oh, it's just about money. It's just No, like I said, like I've been saying all along, you got to come back to what's the nature of God? What's the character of God? God doesn't need your bank account, all right? He needs your heart. He's after your heart. And so what's the nature of God? He's after my heart, and He wants me to live in freedom. So if God's asking me to do something, it must be good for my heart and good for my freedom. And so that's the journey I had to go on at my personal level. And all I want to do is, is give you tonight in 10 minutes, I want to give you 10 reasons why I tithe and five reasons why I struggled to tithe, all right? And so for me, the first reason I've been talking about the whole time is why I tithe, why I started tithing is, first of all, because I trusted in God's character. It didn't make sense in my mind, but I put my, I put my trust in His character. God, if you are good, this must be good. And so I trusted in God's character. The next thing, like, like Cooper alluded to, is, is I, I came to an understanding where I realized that tithing isn't about giving. It's about uh, bringing back to God. That actually tithing isn't my generosity. What I do above and beyond that is my generosity. But a tithing is holy and it's set apart. It's holy and it's set apart for God. And not tithing, actually, the Bible talks about how it's robbing from God robbing from God. But like I said, even when I say that, you've got to take that back through the character and the nature of what you know God to be. And so it's holy and it's set apart for God. The next reason why I've tithed is because it taught me the discipline of giving. It's not why I started, but it's why I I carried on with it. It taught me the discipline of giving. Everybody wants to be generous, but not everybody is generous. But tithing, a regular weekly thing that I'm doing, taught me what it means to give. Taught me what it means. Even when, hey, this is where I'm at, but I've got the ability to give, and so I should give. I'm more generous today because I tithe. I say I, I can hands down say I wouldn't be able to give the way we give outside of what we give to church if, if, if it wasn't for tithing. Tithing created the discipline of being generous. Being generous. My money isn't for me. <laughs> All right. My money's to position me to bless my world. So it taught me the discipline of giving. The other thing is, and this is what you learn through Scripture, so I learned this a bit later on, but like it's similar to do with what I just said, but it breaks the spirit of mammon. It breaks the spirit of mammon. That, that, that spirit, mammon isn't money, but it's the spirit that's attached to money. That, that spirit that desires for material things, that desires to be worshipped, desires to be focused on. And when I take a tenth of my income every week and just give it, it's no strings attached, back to God, it breaks that spirit. But it's how it breaks the spirit of mammon. So I live freer because I tithe. Although God desires good for us and God will take care of us, I don't have a desire in my heart to chase after the things of this world. And a lot of that has come about through my ability to, to tithe. And then a couple other things you learn is it releases the purposes of God. 
What I mean by that is Luke 16 verse 10 talks about whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. Whoever is dishonest with very little will be dishonest with very much. And when I came to understand that actually the tithe belongs to God, the question I had to ask myself is, can I be trusted with that? I love the fact that God gives it to us and then asks for it back. I'm like, why can't it just be like, you know, if you're on salary, why can't it just be like tax? You know, to, uh, if, unless you're self-employed or running your own thing or your contractor, for most of you in this room, you earn a wage, and so the tax comes out automatically. You don't have a question. You don't have a say on whether you're paid tax or not. It just comes out. It just comes out. And the reality is I love the fact that God puts it in your hand and says, hey, uh, can you be trusted? Can you be trusted in this little? Can you be trusted with what? I love the fact that God trusts you. In fact, with, the, with what God's put in your hand, we say God's entrusted you. God's entrusted you. And so it taught me to be trustworthy in the little, in the little. Because money doesn't really matter that much when it comes to things of God. There's much bigger things at play. And so he tests me with the little. It, uh, you know, uh, go on, number six is it brings an open heaven. Malachi 3 talks about this, and it, Malachi 3, it says, and if you, and this is God speaking to the people about returning the tithe to the storehouse, and it says, see if I will not open the floodgates of heaven. And so what it does is, is, is a tithe opens up the floodgates of heaven. It helps you to live in a bigger space, a bigger environment, understanding. And then, but also in Malachi 3, the next thing is it actually brings protection. It brings protection. Malachi 3.11 talks about, I will, not, I, I will prevent the pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your field will not drop their fruit before it is ripe. And so Malachi talks about how the tithe, it brings an open heaven, but it also brings protection. Now, does that, ask, does that, does that mean if you don't tithe, God won't do that, or God won't take care of you? So, well, if you give the 10%, I'll uh, look after you, and if you don't... Sorry, mate. You're on your, that, that's not the nature and character of God. What does it do when I tithe? It positions me in God. It positions me in the things of God. And so God desires that you would live under an open heaven. We'd live under his protection when it comes to the things like our increase. But it's the tithe that actually positions me into God's purposes. It positions me under God's way of doing things. The last couple of things is, for me, and this is a bit more personal, it, it, it has deepened my relationship with God. It's deepened my relationship with God. I have a deeper relationship, no doubt, because I've learned to trust God in this area. And it's also, it's helped me put a demand on God. That God actually desires to be demanded upon. Like God desires to be deeply involved in your world. He's not like that, That you know, sometimes you've got grandparents, parents, different ones in your world, and you're like, oh, I better not bother them. Not. But God wants to be bothered. He wants to be bothered by you. And for me, there's been times where I'm tithing, I'm like, God, your word says that you bring an open heaven. It doesn't feel very open right now. You know, and there's times where I've been able to put a greater demand on God in my own heart. Because I've understand and lent into what God's saying. And then the lastly, the reason I tithe is I looked at my life and God's proven himself faithful. 
And he's proven himself faithful in every other area of my life. He's proven himself faithful with my healing, with my He's proven himself faithful with my sin. He's forgiven me of it. God's proven himself faithful in so many parts of my life. Why don't you let God prove himself faithful in your finances? For five reasons along the journey why I've struggled to tithe. The first reason I struggled to tithe is because I had the wrong bank account. When I, well, that's a, there's some practicalities of this team. When I first got a job uh, through my high school years, I, was, I worked part-time jobs and stuff, and uh, I'd give by cash uh, on a Sunday. When I, when I got a full-time job, I was like, oh, actually, I want to set up an automatic payment and, and just make sure this is a priority in my world because my own stupidity would often forget the tithe. All right, It's not that I didn't want to tithe. It's just I'd forget to stop at the ATM and get cash out. And so I was like, I don't want my stupidity or my forgetfulness to stand in the way of my giving. And so I set up an automatic payment. The problem is when I was doing it online, I put in all the details. And I had the church bank account already on there, but I clicked the wrong payee person, and then I set up, and for six months, I tithed to somebody. <laughs> I gave, I mean, they would have been like, Scott's a generous guy. <laughs> but what happened is because then it was the time where, where tithe receipts would come out, and so... Uh, and, and so I didn't get one, and I went to the finance team. And I was like, hey, I never got a tithe. So they're like, you don't tithe. I'm like, yes, I do. <laughs> and, and then I realized, I looked, they said, check your bank account. And I've been tithing to somebody. And they were just quietly receiving the blessing. And so God must have known they needed it. But tithing, the reason I struggled is because tithing takes, tithing takes discipline. Tithing takes discipline. A lot of people who struggle to tithe is because you don't have any discipline. Actually, I'm saying all this, and you're like, yeah, I want to tie. They just haven't gotten around to it. I was like, come on, let's get around to putting God first in some areas of our life. It takes discipline. It means that you actually have to understand where your finances are. It means you actually have to kind of be in control with some things. The second reason I've struggled to tithe is because I tithe, but then still had money problems. And I thought the tithe was going to sort my problems out. I say, the, like Pastor Sam preached last week, the first redeems the rest. But I learned I can still be reckless with the redeemed, all right? I can be reckless with the redeemed. And tithing sets you under God, but also tithing is part of it. Stewardship is another thing. And the reason I came disillusioned at one stage about the tithe is because I was tithing, but still under financial pressure. But the pressure wasn't because of God. It was because of my recklessness my recklessness. And so the third reason I've struggled is at times I've lost perspective. I stopped looking at God's involvement in my life. I stopped seeing God's involvement in areas of my life. And because I I lost perspective of God, I then struggled to give, to give. And for for me, losing perspective of God and God's involvement. The fourth is I, I didn't at first, I didn't trust God as much as I thought. I, I thought I trusted God, and then I engaged in this discipline, and then I quickly realized I didn't trust God as much as I thought, because it was, I was like, God, this is real money. <laughs> this is real now. It's no longer $2 on a youth night. It's real. And what it did is I didn't trust God as much as I thought. And then the fifth reason, probably the final reason at times I've struggled to give, and not just me, other people in my, my family at times have, have come across this, because 
because we grew up in a, in a household where we had to believe for a season, it's kind of like we had nothing and believe in God for everything. And so I knew when I was in lack how to trust in God. The problem is my mother retrained in that season. She, when we all became teenagers, she got a job at a capsicum farm in a greenhouse. So we'd be at school and she'd be collecting capsicums. And then she did an online teaching course because she didn't have any qualifications. So she learned, retrained, become a teacher. And through that season, it was like, man, we trust in God. We, tr- we need to trust in God. There was a demand to trust in God. But the problem is that memory trains gets job. We all get jobs. We now grow up and the demand isn't quite the same anymore. Actually, the, the, the final reason I've struggled to tie that times is because I've become self-sufficient. And I knew how to trust in God in my lack. But I didn't learn how to trust in God in my, in my everything. In fact, I had enough money now to be a bit more secure and, and not have that same level of need. And then what I found is although we had more, more had hold of us. And actually at times I struggled to tithe because I've trusted in myself too much. I've become too self-sufficient in my life. And there came times where was, I remember sitting down one night, having a chat to mum. I was working, she, she was working. and I, 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 I knew that, that we weren't as diligent as what we used to be growing up. And I remember having a conversation. We, we, we need to trust God. We just need to trust God. Not just when things are hard, but in all seasons. And now we had money, it was a bit harder to let the money go. It was like, no, I'm going to trust God, trust God, trust God. And the reason I know, we just want to give some, some, some simple teaching around tithing, because I know not everyone in this room has been fortunate enough to grow up with someone that's taught you, taught you about tithing. We're not going to go on about this the whole series, don't worry. <laughs> But the reason we're willing to talk about it is because, like I said, the motive on our heart is when God desires the best for your life. God's plans are to prosper you, give you hope in the future. God desires that you'd live in freedom and understanding of Him. But it really comes back to the character of God. Where do you sit when you think about the character of God? Because that will often determine how we respond to God. So where I want to land this, this afternoon is, like I said, uh, there was a woman that I, I assume would have been praying for provision, praying for an answer, but just found need. <laughs> and then there was a man that was believing or promised abundance, but only found lack. But I love that in that story, in that moment, both parties decide to trust in the nature and the character of God. This isn't what I saw, but I know God is good. And I know God is faithful. And I know God comes through on His promises. And I know God cares for me. And I know God's with me. So while I don't see what I thought I'd see, I choose to stand upon what I know about God.